You are listening to the Literary Comedy Podcast. Stories of comedy, tragedy, and time. Hello, and welcome to the final chapter of A Dragon for George. If you've listened this far, you'd probably know the premise. Last time, George and Lorne had to let each other go so that the injured Lorne could attempt a final swim toward Shipwreck Island, during which she may or may not have been rescued by Deidre the Damsel. And now, chapter 19 of A Dragon for George. He sat in Max's old room, reading Dream Days, a new but also very old book that George had added to the collection. He looked out the window toward that island. He couldn't see it. Distance, forests, cities, towns, and the curvature of the earth blocked his view. But just because you can't see something doesn't mean it's not there. He told himself that no news was a good thing. No news meant no one had found her. No news meant no one would come looking. Not Corwin from his prison cell. Nor anyone Corwin might hire. Not a reporter. Not a tourist. No news didn't mean she was dead. Not necessarily. Maybe Lorne had done a good job hiding. She'd need to be a good hider if she wanted to survive. If she hid well, he wouldn't hear about it. Not seeing a dragon would not make the news. Not seeing dragons is a daily occurrence for most people. George looked down to his parents, walking a couple of customers around the stables. If a very wealthy person ever kept you in a dungeon against your will, you'd probably consider yourself unlucky, which is an entirely fair assessment. But... Should you survive and prove damages, you could find yourself in fairly good shape, financially speaking. Which is to say, there was no worry about George's parents selling the farm anymore. They were happy to run it. Jack, also doing well financially, didn't need the job anymore. But, nonetheless, he still did the job. He liked the job. He also liked to complain about the job. So, he still did that, too. Deidre, proud thief that she was, did not even attempt to sue Corwin, instead stealing a fair amount of jewels from his castle and then disappearing without a trace. George figured that, just like with Lorne, no news was probably good news. George's parents waved up at him. He waved back. He had chores to do around the farm still, but not so many as before. His parents didn't accuse him of dawdling, dallying, and daydreaming anymore. In fact, a little dawdling, dallying, and daydreaming was expected of him. After finishing his book, he rode his bike to the secret forest room, which wasn't a room anymore so much as a clearing, and which certainly wasn't secret. Hank, Thud, and Hork stood there, waiting for him, ready to fight. You made it, said Hank handing George a proper fencing foil, proper padding, and a proper mask, all of which had been purchased with money they'd got from Corwin. The four of them had a tournament amongst the ferns, stumps, and trees. Fencing is a great way to get out youthful aggression, said Thud, keeping score in the fight between George and Hank. This is like when I blocked Corwin with my gauntlet, said George, parrying a thrust. Still harping on that, are we, said Hank, countering George's parry. 
They all had to admit that George, in winning a trial by combat and then escaping a castle on a dragon, had done something pretty cool. They didn't admit that George was cool, of course, but the daily fencing tournaments had been their idea. The tournament over, they locked the equipment away in Max's plastic container. Hank, Thud, and Hork left for a party. George stayed behind for a moment, looking around his formerly secret place. Thanks, Max, he said, for everything you were. A gust of wind blew. But wind gusts did that a lot now that the forest room was a clearing. Still, George noticed something under one of the ferns. The very same fern he'd found Lorne's egg under. George looked closer. The something was, in fact, two somethings. Somethings white and pearly. George picked up the somethings. A large molar and a smaller one. Maybe they had belonged to a deer? But there was something familiar about these teeth. He'd seen them before, though they'd been smaller then. These were Lorne's teeth. George was sure of it. But what did it mean? Deidre must have left them there. She's the one who had left the egg there. This must be a message from her. But George couldn't figure out what it meant. Maybe Lorne had drowned. Maybe she'd died on the island. Maybe she'd died when attacking a pirate boat. George turned the molars around in his fingers, examining them closely. He caught sight of an etching on the smaller tooth. Lose, dot, dot, dot. His heart sank. Lose. What did that mean? Lose hope? Lose their way? Lose their lives? But the dot, dot, dot led him to seek out and find dot, 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 M as they grow, etchings faint but distinct on the larger tooth. Lose dot, 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 M? Lose what, though? Lose dot, dot, dot. Lose dot, dot, dot. Lose teeth! Lose teeth, you fool! They lose the teeth as they, both Hatchling and Lorne, grow as they really grow. He knew in his mind and his heart that he was right. This was the message. The dragons were safe and growing. This might itself cause problems. Lorne was pretty darn big already. Hopefully, eventually, she would stop growing and remain a not-too-ridiculous-size Otherwise, she'd never be able to hide, nor get enough to eat. George pushed such thoughts aside for the time being and allowed relief and happiness to overwhelm him. He laughed joyously as he looked toward an island he couldn't see. There be dragons, George said, to no one in particular. A gust of wind blew, as if to answer. They did that a lot. Sure, but it gave him comfort all the same. Thank you for listening to A Dragon for George, all of it. I will take a week off or so, but will let you know my plans for the summer. Until next time, bless you, keep you, and take good care. <laughs>